Boom, there it is. Um, this is the Read and Rant family. This is the Read and Rant. What we do here every weekday morning is, is we engage in the reading of scripture. We spend 20 to 30 minutes every morning reading scripture for the sake of being uh, exposed to the totality of the letter, the totality of the scriptures itself. And then to posture ourselves meditationally to hear from God. We want to posture ourselves to hear from God. And so as we're reading the scripture, we're not reading it for Bible study purposes. And it isn't a devotion in the sense that we're reading it, you know, just to read a sliver of scripture and just to meditate on that scripture. But rather we're reading the scriptures postured in a way to have the Holy Spirit reveal to us in the moment what he intends for us. And so it is, um, it, 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 this posturing from a very practical perspective can be uh, articulated through three questions. First question is, what is, what is God revealing concerning himself? Second question is, what is God revealing concerning people? And then the third question is, what is God revealing concerning me? As the word discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And so we want to spend time in the word. We'll spend time in reflection. We'll see where the Lord leads. Um, I, I want to see if I can, with the time that I'm afforded, see if I can allot some time to prayer as well. Uh, we want to pray for Texas. And we want to pray for you guys who are gathered with us today. And so we are going to submit um, to what the Holy Spirit intends for us today. I have nothing planned. I have nothing prepared, nothing planned. We just want to engage with the word and see what the word does. Okay. And so let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Lord, speak to us. Father, speak to us, speak through us, speak with us, participate along with us as we engage in your word. Lord, bless us in this time, Lord God, that we would be edified, that we would be renewed, that we would be encouraged, restored in you. Lord, that we would be built up, motivated, conformed to your image that we'd be able to fulfill, Lord, the mission that you've imparted upon us, Lord, for each and every person right now who's gathered both on, on both platforms, Father. I just pray right now that you would, Lord, speak to them in this moment. Lord, meet them where they are as they open your word. And we say that in your name we pray. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to finish Hebrews today. It's exciting. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continue year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the bull, blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, 
you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. Ooh, he takes away the first that he may establish the second. By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds, I will write them. Then he adds their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Now, where there is remission of these sins is no longer an offering for sins. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from every, sorry, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another, sorry, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of truth, there's no long, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and a fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose? Will he be thought worthy who has trampled the son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days in which you were illuminated. You endured a great struggle with offerings, partly while you were made a spectacle by both by reproaches and tribulations and partly while you became companion of those who so treated for you had compassion on me in my chains. And joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Yet for a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not 
tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But if we are not those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Chapter 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So much there. Verse four, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts and through it being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of the promise in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Ah. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland, and truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has proclaimed a city for them. Oh, man. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he had received the promises offered up, only his begotten son, of whom it is said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses was born, was hidden three months by his parents because 
they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command by faith. Moses, he became, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter, but rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked for, he looked to the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he assured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch him. By faith, he passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped by the mouth, sorry, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, of chains and imprisonments. They were stoned. They were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented of whom the world was not worthy, they wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Oh, wow. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance that the race which is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul, you have not yet rested to bloodshed, striving against sin. You have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons or to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what the son is there, whom a father does not chasten, 
But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us, as seemed best to them. But he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening comes to be joyful for the present, but painful nevertheless. Afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Hmm. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator, any profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire and to blackness and darkness and tempest. And the sound of a trumpet and the sound of the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore for they could not endure what was commanded. And if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I'm exceedingly afraid and trembling, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to a general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Better things, better things. Verse 25, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him, who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now, He has proclaimed, saying, Yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence, in godly fear for God, our God, is a consuming fire. Let brotherly love continue. 
Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have wittingly entertained angels. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in body also. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today, and forever. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have occupied with them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Therefore, let him, sorry, therefore by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share. For such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. But I especially urge you to do this, that I may restore you the sooner. Now may the God of peace, who brought up the Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I appeal to you, brethren, to bear the word of exhortation, for I have written to you in few words. Know that our brother Timothy has been set free, with whom I shall see you if he comes shortly. Greet all those who rule over you and all the saints and those from Italy greet you. Grace be with you all. Amen. Amen. Happy to see you, Agnes, from Uganda. It's good to see you. Julie, Joe, Alan, Ashley, and Toya. Jay, Regina, Ruth. Good to see the TikTok fam. Wow, there's there's a hundred of you on here. And then there's 18 on Facebook. It's a pretty big group here. Lord, speak to us. 
speak to us. Um, I want to say, first of all, be encouraged. Be, be encouraged. If, if this is your first time here, then you may be wondering what we're doing. What we're doing here is, is we're going We're, we're, I'll back that up. What we're doing here is we're engaging in the word of God with a posture to hear from God and to hear what God has to say. Not only are we engaging with the word of God, but we're equipping as well in empowering you to see the power of reading God's word for yourself. We've done this now for the end of this week will be 10 weeks where we've been reading for 20 to 30 minutes a day. And now we've gone through from Matthew all the way to the end of Hebrews. We're starting James tomorrow. We may finish James tomorrow because James is not a long letter. To show you that just disciplining yourself in the word, just discipline can get you through a lot of Bible, a lot of scripture, just discipline can get you through a lot of scripture. And so the reason why I'm, I'm bringing this up is because for those of you who have journeyed with us from the beginning, I hope things are coming full circle for you. Okay. You may not understand every nuance and every element and every dimension of what you've read. But at least it's all coming uh, full circle for you. That's what I'm hoping for. Uh, that's what I'm praying for. That you're, if you just engaged in that, that activity, that practice, that discipline of reading the word, things would start connecting, aligning, this mosaic of scriptural and biblical themes begin to patch together. And what I pray would happen is that as it patches together, you would see Jesus. You would see Jesus. As I talked to you before, the book of Hebrews, if you're new to all of this, and by the way, if you've missed any of our read and rants, I want to encourage you to follow the font everywhere because we have um, all the previous ones there. So the font everywhere is a good place to go. Um, and it's on Facebook, the font everywhere. Send a request. We'll let you in, invite people in as well. Last I checked, we're already at 500 and we haven't even announced we're past 500. Now we're, we're, we're actually moving closer to 600 now and we haven't made a public announcement yet. So we're just building up our community here. It's a place where people can pray for each other, care for each other, uh, exhort each other, encourage each other, and engage in the word together. And so I put the read and rants on, on here as well. So you can catch the read and rants. If you ever miss one, you can catch the font everywhere on Facebook. Now, why is this important for me to mention? If you're new to reading scripture, 
up until this point, you could say, you know, the word is slightly weighty. And, you know, sometimes the wording is a little convoluted and I don't know if I fully understand it and it's a little bit unclear. But I love the reading rant because at least, you know, Pastor Isaac doesn't does some work to maybe bring it to the ground. I hope I hope you've gotten that in my time of reflection. But now you get to Hebrews and Hebrews is a whole different kind of book. It's a whole different kind of book. There's nothing light about Hebrews. Hebrews is heavy. (laughs) Hebrews is weighty. And part of the heaviness of Hebrews is, is that you need to understand the people that it's being written to. He's writing this letter to the converted Jews. The converted Jewish people and these people, um, they know the Mosaic law very well. We talked about religion. Remember that yesterday. We talked about religion and how what Hebrews does is, is that Hebrews dismantles religion, dismantles it breaks apart all the things that they have aligned culturally and religiously or culturally to their religion and religiously to their culture. And so he's dismantling all of it. He's dismantling all of it to say that the currency to God, your access to God is faith. If there's anything I want you to leave with today is that faith is key. Faith was always the driving force. Faith was always the access. Faith was always the password. Faith was always, it isn't a new thing. And that's really what I love about Hebrews. Hebrews is bringing us to understand There's nothing new here. We're not preaching a new doctrine to you. We're not preaching a new ideology. We're not preaching um, um, a new gospel. We're not preaching a new thing. It was always faith. And you being the people of God, you've thought yourself as people of God by blood because Abraham was your father. But Abraham started a new people. He instituted a new nation by faith. It was always faith. And what he was, and, and what Hebrews is, is concluding here, if you want to go back, catch the rest of it before, because what faith does is, is faith dismantles the pillars of religion. Faith dismantles the pillars of the law. Faith dismantles the pillars of church. And so when, when, when this religious people who knew the scripture and they knew the law and they're very, they were aware of the Mosaic law, 
they were thrown aback because now they're thinking of this thing as a new thing, this faith thing as a new thing, faith in Jesus Christ. But what about the law? Shouldn't we be obeying the law? Shouldn't we, aren't we under the law? And Paul's been teaching, as we've seen, to the Romans for the Jews. He's been teaching that we are not under the law, we're under grace. He's teaching about the profundity of God's grace and what God's grace is and the operability of God's grace. So by grace, are we saved? He says through faith and he's bringing up this faith thing. And, and of course, religious folks are going, this faith thing is a new thing. What is this thing that Paul's talking about? This thing, faith, that Paul's talking about. And so the author of Hebrews is bringing all that full circle to say, guys, it's always been faith. It's always been faith. Hebrews 11, we call this the hall of faith. It speaks of the faith of Abraham, but even before Abraham, Abel. He talks about Abel. He, he talks about Enoch. And he says, it's by faith that Enoch was taken away. It was by faith that Abel was offered to God. It was by faith Enoch was taken away. It was by faith Noah was divinely warned. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed. It was by faith that Sarah received a son. It was by faith that Abraham was tested when he offered up Isaac. It was by faith that Isaac blessed Jacob. It was by faith Jacob... Um, when he was dying, blessed Joseph. It was by faith that Joseph instituted the children of Israel. It was by faith that Moses, look at it. He's going through the whole history of the people of God. And what the author is saying here is it was always faith. It was always faith. It was always faith. Moses was faith. Coming out of Egypt was faith. It was by faith that they crossed the Red Sea. And then he talks about what the lack of faith did. Look what he says in verse 29. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. That's a distinction between people with faith and people without. Ah, people with faith. People with faith get through things that people without faith cannot. People with faith can cross the Red Sea. People without faith cannot. Hmm. It was by faith that they put the blood on the left post, right post, top post. It was by faith that they sat inside of a room and partook of a meal called the Passover. It was by faith. It was faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. And he says the difference between these people and us is that they had not received the promise when they died. And yet their faith is what brought them this far. Their faith allowed them to persevere. And yet by faith, they will be brought to life to partake of the promise that we are now given today. Faith was always the key. Faith was always the plan. Faith was always the strategy. Faith. It is faith that gives the blood effect. It is the faith that gives the spirit power. It is the faith that allows grace to flow. It is faith. That's why some people can move in power and others cannot because some people have faith, others do not. And yet faith does not come by evidence of things seen. 
Faith comes by evidence of things not yet seen. And so to have faith, you need to have an imagination. <laughs> oh, this is where we get hooky and weird because the apologist, because the strategist, because the person who's the theologian and the thinker can try to think their way into faith, but you can't think faith. Faith requires imagination. That's why he says that we must have childlike faith. Children have a greater capacity to move in the power of God and have a greater capacity to faith because children have the power of imagination. Children have not let life get by them and to rob them of their imagination, to rob them of their peace, to rob them of their joy, to rob them of their innocence and perspective, to rob them. We let life hit us and rob us of our imagination and we wonder why faith is so hard. Faith is so hard because we've lost the ability to see things that are not there. And how could you speak into things that are not as though they are if you do not see the things that aren't there as though they are? We want faith, but somehow we want proof. And yet, if we have proof, then we cannot have faith. Matter of fact, if there's evidence, it isn't faith. And for some of us, we're waiting for God to move to believe. But God is waiting for you to move to believe. He says, draw nigh unto me and I will draw nigh unto you. God moves through faith. The travesty is, is people are looking for proof of God. And yet if God gives us definitive proof, then it cannot be faith. Ah, the travesty in the church today is we do church, but we don't have faith. We pray for things that we don't believe that we can get healing for. We ask God for things that we actually don't believe we can get. We say and affirm things that we actually do not believe. We lack imagination. We lack the imagination to know that Christ is in us, the hope of glory. We lack imagination. We lack the imagination of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and yet we wonder why we can't hear from God. We wonder why we operate as illegitimate sons and daughters. Yet God is asking us to believe Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. Why? Because faith is the access and the key to God. People say, well, I'm saved by his grace. His grace is for all men. It's those with faith that can receive it. Yes, we are saved by grace. It is not of anything we can do. The law 
is of no effect because Christ has made the law obsolete because he has accomplished the law by fulfilling the law by his life on the earth, his ministry on the earth, his sacrifice on the cross and his ascension into heaven. And yet we still live under the law because we do not live by faith. And yet he says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. It is impossible to please God. I don't care how much outreach you do. It is impossible to please God without faith. I don't care how much ministry you do. It is impossible to please God without faith. I don't care how many hungry people you feed. It is impossible to please God without faith. I don't care how much Bible you read. It is impossible to please God without faith. I don't care how much, um, how many times you go to church on Sunday. It is impossible to please God. And I don't care if you went to Bible college and got yourself a Bible degree. It is impossible to please God without faith. And I don't care if you were in ministry for 25 years, it is impossible to please God without faith. It doesn't matter how much you've done for him. It is impossible. Impossible. You know what's crazy? In the Bible, can you think of anything else in the Bible that God says is impossible? The God of the impossible says that this one thing is impossible. It's impossible to please God without faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. Faith without works is dead. That's true. But we must have faith. We are doing works without faith. <laughs> And yet Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. He gave us the gift of faith. What is one of the gifts of faith that we saw in 1 Corinthians that Paul said? Paul said in 1 Corinthians, faith, hope, love. Faith, hope, love. We want to love without faith. We want to hope without faith. We want to try things without faith. But hope without faith leads to bitterness. For hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope without faith leads to angst, anxiety, worry. Because you actually don't believe, you're just hoping. Love without faith leads to self-gratification and pride. Love without faith leads to sensuality and pleasure and not the glory of God. Faith is the operation by which the grace of God flows. For by grace are we saved. How? Through faith. And what he's saying up until this point is he's saying, you guys have been so religious. 
You follow the law. You do it so well, church. This is for the church. Hebrews is written for religious people. Hebrews is written for the church. If you're a newly saved person and you have no idea what we're talking about, praise God. (laughs) But if you're a person who grew up in church, this one's for you. If you're a person who walked in church, this one's for you. If you're a person who's been in the church for years and decades, this one's for you. He's speaking into the propensity of the people to move towards works. Even though they've been given the grace in a moment, they're moving towards works because we let life get in the way. Life happens. And this faith thing is eroded. That's why he goes from faith to faith, because we need to go from levels and dimensions of faith. Did you know that? Did you know that there were levels of faith? There are dimensions of faith. There's the faith that saves. There's the faith that heals. There's the faith that restores. There's the faith that gives us the strength to persevere. There are levels of faith. That's why we go from faith to faith. And by going from faith to faith, we go from glory to glory. We think faith is a thing, just a one level thing, but there are levels to this. Notice that the levels are really about submission because the word faith is the same word that we use to stand on or to lean on. Meaning the heavier our situation is, the bigger our faith needs to be not the bigger our strength needs to be. As a matter of fact, the highest level of faith is the lowest level of self. It's when you completely lose yourself where Christ is completely flowing through you. These people are discouraged because they're going through trials and tribulations. Our faith can be eroded. I've said this before, that some of the highest levels of faith are the newest levels of faith. I'm going to explain to you what I mean. I'm sorry, now I'm ranting. Now you got me ranting. I find it's the newly saved person that can move in the most power. Because the newly saved person has the babyest level of faith. They have the faith of a child because they just got into it. The person with the most virtue often is the one who's newly saved, who knows nothing except faith. And they can move and flow in a power. They have a rejoicing in them, a a renewal in them. They have a a, a passion in them. and, And it's usually those newly saved that are the most they have the most virtue for bringing unsaved people to Jesus because the spirit is flowing powerfully through them because they've got the faith that keeps them small. But then as the years progress, we get in our word and we begin to be prideful. As the years progress, we become more dependent on our 
understanding of scripture. As, 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 we get, as we get older, things happen in life where we become discouraged. We pray for things and we don't get answers for them. We ask God to help us with things and we don't get those responses. And then we lose that faith. It's eroded and eroded and eroded to the point where now we read, but we don't please God. Oh, we go to church every Sunday, but we're not pleasing God. And deep down in our spirit, we know that. We know it. We know it. We know it deep down inside. We know there's a disconnect here. We know there's something that's not adding up. We know there's something that's not connecting. We know there's something. We know, I feel that God is distant and I'm not where I need to be. And, and where was I? And yet God is asking you to return back to baby faith. <laughs> ah. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith requires you to see things that aren't there, to believe things that aren't done, to do things that go beyond your capacity or ability to pray for stuff that you don't know. This is what faith looks like. And yet we pray for only the things that we believe God can do. And we only limit the things God can do to what we can do. And so our faith is small. We ask God to pay a bill as if we cannot, but won't ask God to move a mountain because we cannot. The issue in the church today is faith. People go, the issue in the church is sin. Nope. It ain't sin. <laughs> it's actually not sin. But pastor, people are sinning in the church and all this. The issue is not sin. Sin is not the problem in the church. Faith is. Because if they had the faith, they would have the grace. And then they have the grace, that grace would empower them and transform them. And that grace would renew them. And that grace would allow them to move in the power. That grace would encourage them. And that, that grace would give them a new perspective and new insight to look at other things that are higher than themselves. The issue in the church isn't sin. The issue in the church is faith. You can stop sinning and be compliant and all you're focusing on is the idol of your sin. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm ranting now. I'm ranting. I'm ranting. There are people who idolize their struggle. You talk about your struggle all the time. The struggle is the central thing to your life. Your addiction becomes the only thing we talk about. Your, your, the issue in your marriage becomes the only thing you talk about, not realizing that you're not even heavenly minded anymore, anymore. You're only focused on the enemy. As if the enemy can, can have victory over your life. You sit around and entertain the enemy. You entertain temptation. You entertain um, the addiction. You entertain it. And so now, even though 
you're five months sober or one year sober or I spent three days away from pornography or I haven't slept with my girlfriend for this long. And all you're thinking about is that. Guess what you are idolizing? Your addiction. You idolize your sin. You now make yourself your sin. And yet we don't realize that what gives us power over our sin is when we set our minds on things above. Like what gives us power over sin is not fighting the sin. What gives us power over sin is faith. Faith is the key. And even if you read the word and you stopped sinning and you were sober for 30 years and you did all these things and you were able to be this person who can live this perfect life, but you don't have faith, you cannot please God. And yet there's a brother or sister right now who's struggling and yet has grown in their faith and they're learning how to please God just by submitting to their faith. Family, it's faith. I tell people this, stop trying, stop, start believing, stop trying. You can't perform for God. Start believing, start believing it's faith. It's faith and ready for this. It was never new. That's what I want you to know. It was always faith. It was always faith. Chapter 11, what did he start in his hall of faith? He started with Abel. You know where Abel's located? You know where Abel's located, family? Abel's located in Genesis 4. (laughs) Since the beginning. In Genesis 4. Guys, faith existed from the beginning. Ah, Julie, I love that. I love that testimony, Julie. Two weeks, marijuana free. I love that. And get this, Julie. Set your eyes on things above. That's it. Like, that's it. Set your eyes on things above. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So now you are above it. When your mind is on Christ, you're above it. You're above it. And what the enemy wants to do is the enemy wants to pull us down to his level. We're not pulling down to the enemy's level. I proclaim this and I declare this in the name of Jesus. Our minds will be set above. Our faith is on the cross. Our faith is on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Our faith is on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our faith is in Christ who is seated in heavenly places that we by faith are seated along with him in heavenly places. We are not earthly beings, but we are heavenly beings participating with God. We are called out of the darkness into the marvelous light. We are children of God, called by the power of God to be institutors of righteousness and justice on the earth. We are above all things by the power and the glory of God. Oh, we're above it all. And I proclaim this in the name of Jesus that the enemy will not pull you down. The enemy will not drag you down. 
The enemy will not drag you down by the vicissitudes of life. The enemy will not drag you down by the things that are happening in this world. The enemy will not drag you down by anxiety. He will not drag you down by depression. He will not drag you down by lack. He will not drag you down by any of that, that the enemy is declaring and proclaiming over you. But the Lord is calling upon you out of this darkness into the marvelous light to be agents of the kingdom of God. I give God praise. That he has done the work. It is finished. And so by faith, we have been given the power to set our minds on things above. Get your mind right. That's it. Stop fighting sin. Get your mind right.